Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Look at Matthew 6 and 19. Matthew 6, 19 has been our anchor text for this series. And it says, lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Part one, we focused on that purpose of the heart. We focused on the intent of the heart. This whole series is developed to find where your heart's at. This whole series is defined to kind of figure out a GPS locating type of beacon on where my heart truly lies because where my heart truly lies ends up where that treasure is in my life. And so I want us to understand that this is a, a, a not necessarily a lesson totally on giving and, and finances. It's a lesson on the heart and how we handle things and how we look at things and how we how we trust God that's that's really it in a nutshell I mean how we truly trust God uh, I could trust uh, my children with many things I can give my my children um, certain tasks I can teach them how to wash dishes and I remember those moments when I uh, what a great moment if you're a parent right that that moment where you're like all right this is how you wash a dish this is where you dry it this is those things but in the back of your head you're thinking I'm a little worried about that glass right I'm a little worried I remember my wife constantly saying you know be careful but that that glass be careful how you handle it and and those types of things and but now we're at the place where they handle it no problem and and, and if you've ever been to my house and been a guest in my house once or twice, I just want to apologize if you've ever gotten a dirty cup. That's my children. I blame it on that. <laughs> but what's interesting is that how many of you are really are okay with just handing your children your debit card? <laughs> I'm like, hey, uh, I've noticed that you've been browsing on Amazon a lot. Why don't you hold, hold this piece of plastic for me? Yeah. No, everyone's going to probably keep that under in your wallet, in your, in your purse, and, you know, tucked away because that's where it's supposed to be because you don't want it at, at that arm's reach. We don't want it in the, the hands of those children who don't understand those things because finances are one of those deals that we protect. We, we protect those things, and, we, and that's not a bad thing. That's, a, that's appropriate, but we don't treat everything else like we treat finances. And same way with our heart. Our heart doesn't treat everything the same way as we treat our finances. And so moving forward, 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, and not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. That word purposeth means to bring forward, to bring forth from one's storage, out of the place where they protect things and guard things and where you've laid up your, your treasures. That's the type of way we want to give. We don't want to give surface level. I want to give my all today. 
I'll just, I'm just going to let you know how I feel this morning. I just, I, I've, I, I've had a, a pretty long, extensive week. I've, I had to travel. One of my very close friend, childhood friends, his wife passed away abruptly of, of cancer. And uh, she had one of the most aggressive forms and her body couldn't handle uh, the level of chemo and radiation. And so her, her, she, her body gave up. And her funeral was actually the same weekend as our, our revival we had, that three-day revival. And I could not make it uh, because of my duties here as a pastor. And so I told him, I said, listen, I, if you're okay with it, I want to come. I still want to visit. I want to be with you and hang out with you and just, uh, just be a friend. I think I, th- I, th- I was thinking about that. I'm grateful <clears throat> for the ministry of friends. And so I wanted to minister in that way this week to him, and I flew out to Bentonville, Arkansas, and spent time with him there. And um, and and let me tell you what: nothing um, really tests the Holy Ghost in you like riding in a plane. <laughs> I I I. Uh, I, I book my tickets typically uh, through Priceline. I don't know if that's the right thing to do or the, the wrong thing to do, but that's just what I do. And I end up every time they, they tell me that they're going to give me my seat when I get to the counter. That's never fun. And so I get up there and I puff myself up. I hope they look at me and I'm, and I'm like whispering, exit aisle. <laughs> put me in the exile, you know, just, I want them to see I'm not a small dude. <clears throat> and one of my flights on my way back home was the absolute back corner of this entire plane, had no window, it was like a three-row seat, of course, it was one of those deals where I, when I finally got there, the people were all sitting comfortably, and I'm like, <laughs> and they all look at each other like, uh so they have to get out. I have to get in. I'm crammed in there. And I literally had this moment of claustrophobia. <clears throat> I started like, oh, I don't like this. Like, I really want to stand, like, really bad. And the entire time, I'm just like, oh, God. I, I, my heart's just kind of beating a little bit harder. And, and I'm, you know, those things are happening. Those things are, 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 are moving forward. All those things are, are, are compiling. Then I finally get to my layover. And my layover was supposed to be uh, two two hours. It ended up being four hours. I, I ended up getting home like at 2 a.m. And, and just the busyness of that week and the busyness of this week. And then uh, I, I got several texts this morning saying, uh, pray, Pastor, I love you. I won't be there this morning because uh, of this, this, this reason. And, and so those things, as I began to prepare for this entire week and this day, uh, I, I feel a heaviness on my heart. And so I, I say all that, I, I'm trying to get to a place, I promise, I say all that, is, is I believe wholeheartedly that God is still God, and that even though it, it, all the things and pieces and the people and, and, and positions doesn't seem like it's all in place, it does not, I do, I will not, I will not say I'm going to give partial to God today. Just because it's a gloomy day, the, the sun's not 
out. It was foggy on my way here. The environment was like, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't preach what you're supposed to preach because you want everyone to be there. And, and those things, I start thinking, no, no, I'm going to go back to the deepest part of my storage. I'm going to purpose in my heart that I'm going to give my absolute very best today. And so that's the type of, 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 of buy-in that I want to give. That's where I want, my, I want my treasure to be laid up in such a way that God gets it all. And I really want to talk and hit back on that, that, that point of we found in Matthew 6. It talks about the moth, <clears throat> the rust, and the thieves. Matthew 6, again, 19, right? Lay not up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. And so I want to break down a little bit what a moth really is. Moths are small, insignificant things that we aimlessly shoo away with our hands, but over time, they eat gaping holes out of our exteriors when we don't truly address them. Moths are those small investments, if I could put it this way, that eat away at our countenance, our exterior, certain things that we have in life. A really, really good tell of someone who's struggling with handing over, like yielding to God their treasure and yielding to God their finances and yielding God their life. If I could put it that way, can, can we believe that? Can I, can I, I don't know, <laughs> how are you going to eat today? You're probably going to put money down to buy something, right? That's just life. We, that's part of life. Our money is tied to our life. It's our livelihood. It's how we, we pay bills. It's how we do all those things. I look at, I'm always amazed at the, the three magi that come and visit baby Jesus, two-year-old Jesus, and the gifts that they give him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All right. And I don't think that was necessarily planned gifts. I don't believe that. I be, <laughs> if you understand the, the currency of that day, the currency of that day was bartering. And the three top things to barter with were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so when, when those three magi, those wise men, give up the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, what are they giving up? They're giving up their livelihood and their, their tomorrow. How am I going to get home? How am I going to get back to my country when I gave up everything to this Jesus? But that's the point that they, that they seen and understood is that, you know what? God has everything in his hands. He's, he's in con complete control. And so what, what we see here with these moths, this, this, this understanding is that it eats away at the countenance. You want to you wanna understand where you're at with the finances with God and where you are on, on how you give and are sacrificial with God. It's, you don't have to look too far but your own mirror. Look at what Genesis chapter 4 talks about right here, verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering, we know this story, Cain and Abel, right? But unto Cain and his offering, he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth and his, what? Countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? And so this, this is what it looks like when moths eat away at your treasure. 
when moths eat away at your finances? And here's a question I just want to ask us. What are some things that we continue to subscribe to that affect our accountants? <clears throat> I'll get a little even more focused here. How many of you are, are um, cable versus streaming, right? Or maybe you're both, right? How many things like that have you? You have the Netflix, the, the Paramount Plus, the Disney Plus, the, um, the whatever plus, you know, Discovery Plus, I think. Uh, um, all sorts of things. How many of us have invested in these little things, these little moths, and that they eat up our time? Not only they eat up our time, they eat up our, they eat up our finances, Right? And instead of, instead of, and listen, I'm, listen, I'm okay with you binging a show. I'm okay with you having that time of, to relax. You all work hard and you're, you're taxed, you're tired. I'm not against you relaxing and having a good time. I'm not against you sitting down with the family and watching something clean and good and, and, and having a good time and just relax. I'm not, I'm not against the popcorn. I'm not against any of that. I want you to know that. But I, I do feel that we need to be against the how much time we, we put these things in front of our faces and how much time we take away from our prayer life and how much time we take away from, from giving to God because my investments are being ate up in other things. Yeah. And so I want to, I want to put my treasures in places where neither moth nor doesn't corrupt. A moth is that, it really is a sign of internal, or I should say outside, I'm sorry, outside corruption. It shows things on the outside. Now I want to talk about rust, because rust, it represents internal corruption. Rust starts from within, and when we're in the wrong, when we're in the wrong environment. It eats away at our main structures until there is nothing left. For instance, iron and the environment of humidity or water will begin to corrode, and the wrong environment will eat away what used to be solid. Here's a question I want to get to. What are some environments we're spending money in that are eating away at our structures? What are some vices? How many of you, and then without a showing of hands I'll just let you know the rabbit hole in my life that I went down for, for one time that I learned something in like a three week process I think I was 19 probably working with <coughs> working in trees with lumberjacks and and we would gas up our vehicles at the same gas station every morning, you know, and I remember going to the gas station and getting all the drinks for the day, ice and all that stuff. And I noticed that a good group of our guys who were on the crew would always go over to the scratch-off tickets and buy some scratch-off tickets. And so I grew up, you know, looking at, at that as gambling, you know, I always looked at it that way because you're going to pay something to try to get something. It's a chance, right? And so I didn't really, didn't really never get into it. But one day I decided, well, let's try it. So I had a couple bucks and we played, you know, me and my friend, my other church friend who I was with, and we're feeling really naughty. <laughs> Put $2 on a scratch off ticket and there we go to scratch it. And man, we won $5. And I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> this is easy money. 
<laughs> and then I go back the next morning, gas up. Give me a scratch off, sir. <laughs> scratch off. Three dollars. I'm like, this is what were my parents teaching me growing up? <laughs> this is, ah, man, I'm looking at my boss. I'm like, I'm about to own you in a second, you know? <laughs> third day, third day, same deal. Lost. No matter how I get it, you're going to have some losers. You're going to have some losers. I get that. It took me about two weeks of, of buying to realize this is a terrible vice. And I realized in that moment that this didn't happen because, you know, someone forced me. It didn't happen because it was because of my internal structures were being eaten away. And certain things were being were taken advantage of in my life and in my heart, and I was giving place to it. I was allowing things. And, you know, Ratan Tata says a, has a quote. He says, none can destroy iron but its own rust. And it's a very, it's a very truth that how rust works. It, it, it eats away of yourself internally. It's something inside you that you look at your finances. And I'll, I'll even go a step further. We can look at our finances and get a wrong attitude, a bad attitude on how we give to God. We can look at it and, and, and say, you know what? Um, we can <clears throat> liken the church that we give to as though we are... <laughs> that my giving to this church um, uh, deems me certain rights and certain certain things and certain uh, you know it's a it's a golf club membership and so therefore I get to you know uh, those types that's that's what rust looks like. Rust is those little it starts to corrode the purpose of your heart, the purpose of your giving. I, I hope you know this that I'm grateful for every faithful giver to the house of God that. It's able to allow us to turn lights on and allow us to, to do certain things. But I want you to know that God does not need your money. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you the honest truth. This church will prevail without us. Right? The church of God isn't going nowhere. And then we need to get that in our heart that my, my giving is, is between me and God, not necessarily giving to a particular church or giving to a particular man of God. I've, 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 I'm telling you right now, I have been through different uh, churches under different leadership and I've submitted to every leader and I've watched them handle finances and, and I've watched them certain people handle finances differently and there are certain times that may, they may have handled finances that I didn't <coughs> agree with but you know what? I still gave faithfully because that's not my, my heart is between me and God. The moment the offering's taken up and I come with my offering and I say, it's to God. It's not to the man of God. It's to God. It's not to the church body. It's, it's to God. And when I do that, when I put that in there, I am yielding to him and to him alone. Now it's up to it's up to the man of God to be a wise steward of those funds and God will be the judge of that steward. All right? And God will be a judge of all those things and it's so important that we understand that when I start thinking that I am I'm giving and my giving allows me to do this or do that, that's rust. That's that that's internally something is is breaking down in your internal structures. 
Let me tell you what, if you know anything about uh, restoration in any car business and all those things, what what do they seek for? They seek for something that has a strong structure that the body is not rusted out. And a lot of the a lot of these these vehicles are bondoed over, painted over, and there's a certain way to tell the difference. Is when that, that mechanic, that restorationist comes around and starts knocking on certain panels. And then there's a different sound that real metal makes and plastic makes. And when he realizes what's been eaten away and what's been what's been, you know, a facade over it. He makes a judgment. Is that restoration worth it? Here's the deal. I don't want us to be ever in a place where we don't fight that spirit of rust. And we need to get an understanding that that it starts from within. The next thing that he talks about is thieves. Thieves represent that outside removal. Thieves come into your domain and take what's yours. Here's the deal about thieves. They linger outside wanting for the right moment when you stop caring because when you stop caring you stop protecting thieves take away what you value but don't truly protect here's some questions what do I value what is something I'm willing to protect and here's a better question what does my spiritual security system look like Come on, how many of you have some cameras, right? We've got cameras in this church for security, okay? And for my own pleasure when something crazy happens and I get to look back at it and laugh. <laughs> but no, seriously, we have cameras in here for, because we have items in this room that are, are expensive and, and uh, those are things that we, we, we look for, uh, to, to protect. We value them. So we want to make sure they're protected, that they're covered. You have a home. How many of you got a lock on the front door? Right? There's certain things on the inside the house that you protect. Amen? Right? But there comes times, and I, I, my wife is, holds a grudge about this to this day. <clears throat> I was dating her, and she bought me a nice watch. And I put that watch one time. I, I was, I, I, it was one of those metal bands. And I think I scratched myself or beat something with it. And I took it off for the moment and I put it in my glove box of my car. And my parents lived in Copley, Ohio, and the neighborhood was pretty safe. But um, where I thought safe enough to leave your car unlocked. And one morning, one morning I walked out and I noticed that there was stuff in my seat, some random glove box stuff. And I'm like, okay. And I realized, hey, I had a gift in there from my, from my girlfriend, who, of course, is my spouse. And I realized, oh, I didn't lock my door. I forgot to lock my door again. Or I, I just assumed that that's, I was in a safe place and in a safe environment. And what happened was is I, I, stopped, I, I, I stopped valuing certain things. And I realized I lost that. Because a thief waited for the right moment to check on doors I did not lock. And so uh, there are times that this happens with our, our treasures. We stop caring about those things. We stop focusing. We stop valuing. And when I mean value, I mean prioritizing. Right. 
and the thing that's important to you, you're going to protect. And I tell you this right now, that I put a hedge of protection around the things I give to God. And what do I protect them from? Okay? I protect them from bills. Yeah. Because guess what's always coming to steal? My bills. And bills are always saying this. Go ahead. You can take from your tithing. You can take from your, all your commitments to pay me off. It'll get better. Right? But this is what I do. I, 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 my security system's up. And I say, no, this is the things that are most important. God's most important to me. My commitment to God's most important. That treasure needs to be there. I don't want this to steal, be stolen from me. I need to protect. And this is priority to me. These are my values. And it matters where we lay up our treasure because it matters. It's a matter of corruption and protection. Where do we <clears throat> store up our treasures? Matthew 6, 20 tells us lay up your treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt where thieves do not break in or steal so I, I'm going to talk about the first bank of heaven for a moment the first bank of heaven has several savings accounts and we can put our treasures in and the first account is an account called the first fruits first fruits is mentioned 31 times throughout scripture this type of of giving is different from others because this type of treasure is stored up as an act of honor to God. This type of gift proves that you're not in love with money. This type of offering isn't given every Sunday. It isn't given, you know, uh, in, a, in a sense where it just comes in the envelope and you put it consistently. It's, it's the type of gift that is typically given a few times a year or once a year. It's meant to be an offering taken up from that extra that you have. You're, you've been blessed with those things that I call unexpected blessings or incomes that instead of adding five extra inches to a, a TV purchase... <laughs> Instead of the 65 to the 70, right? I, I want to say, you know what? I'm going to give that extra. Do you know where that comes from? It comes from the harvest. That harvest came for them. They were so blessed that they decided, I'm going to, this is going to be my first. When that fruit yields, it's going to God. Possibly God blessed you with a bonus at work. Then you decide to take that portion or part of that portion and give it to God. This shows God that you're not governed by the power of money. For instance, 1 Timothy 6.10 says this. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now we misquote that text, right? How many times have you heard, you know, uh, money is the root of all evil? It's love of money. It's my, it's, it's the greed I have around it. It's the, it's my relationship with money that, that, that causes us to sin. The treasure of the first fruits is stored. I want us to hear this is stored in the generosity account. Scripture tells us in Leviticus 2.12, As for the oblation of the firstfruits, ye shall offer them unto the Lord, but they shall not be burnt on the altar for a sweet savor. Why, why was that important? Because burnt offerings were sin offerings. 
Burnt offerings did other things. It was, a, it was a type of offering he would give, and it would represent other things. Burnt offerings was offered up due to the shame and it, you know the need to make restitution of that sin that was committed. But whereas first fruit offering was a gift strictly motivated by your generosity towards God. See, I want to give to God not because I have to, because I want to. <laughs> not out of necessity, right? God loves a what type of giver? Cheerful giver, the Bible says. That's the type of gift I'm talking about that I want to give towards him. The second <clears throat> place, the second treasure account is given in alms. It's important to note that out of all the treasured giving, the giving of alms is the one not offered up directly to God, but to men. Scripture does tell us about a set of rules when placing our treasure into this type of alms savings account, is what I like to call it. Matthew 6 and 1. I take heed, or, or sorry, take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou dost thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou dost alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Why? Why? Why did God ask us for this set of rules? How many of you have ever been to a bank account and tried to open certain accounts and he had certain rules, right? Well, there's certain rules about this type of treasured account in heaven. The rule set of alms is that we must give alms in secret because it protects the person's dignity in times of crisis. It's not, I'll just, I'll even go further. It isn't of God for us to go on mission trips and to take mission trip selfies saying, look at me playing with the down and out. Right, right, right. All right, right. <laughs> oh, holy God. That's, that's the trumpet. That's today's trumpet, social media. Yeah. <laughs> look at me. Here I am in the soup kitchen. Hurry up. Make sure I got my surf shirt on so you can see me give. This is going to be good for the, for the gram. That's the trumpet. Now, don't get me wrong. I get it. We, we don't want to be a church that doesn't, you know, mean that we're not helping or not giving or not doing certain things. But it gets to the place that that's all that churches are known for. That's all that certain people are known for. You follow these accounts of people like, I'm going here. I'm going. It's just trumpet playing. And God says, listen, I need you to give in secret because, because it's, it protects someone's dignity in their, in their hardships, in their, in their struggle, in the thing that they're going through right now. They don't need to be mocked. They don't need to be laughed at. They don't need people to keep coming up to them saying, oh, I, I, you're a charity case. That's not what they're asking for. Right. And so what God asks us to do is he wants it done so secretly. We don't want uh, what my left or my right hand's doing. The treasure, I'll talk about this and back up a little. The treasure of the tithe is stored in the account of obedience. I will obey God because he's asked me to. The first fruits are stored in the account of generosity, whereas the treasure of the alms is stored in the account of compassion. 
I'm just going to run through this because I still have a lot here, but I, I, it, the word alms in Scripture is mentioned 13 times, and it's from a certain Greek word that means mercy and pity. And when I give alms, I'm giving mercy, and I'm giving, and the word pity, I hate that. Like, no one likes to say, don't give me any pity. Right. But what that word pity means is sorrowful compassion. And so when I'm, when I'm giving to someone and I'm, I'm, I want them to be helped, I, I have compassion for them. I, I, I take on empathy. If, I, if, I don't, if not empathy, hopefully, if you can't deal with sympathy, hopefully empathy kicks in, right? Blessing someone in need is absolutely blessing God. You know how certain bank accounts have CDs and they, they have certain kickbacks, right? Let me, let me talk to you about the kickback here. Proverbs 19 and 17 says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. <laughs> and that which he hath giveth will he pay him again. What does that mean? <laughs> the loan agreement I have with God when I give sorrowful compassion comes right back to me full fold. Yes. There's not a, a bank account on earth that can return that type of investment back to you. <laughs> What's, I don't know what loans are, CDs right now and all that stuff, maybe 2%, I don't know, anyone in the bank can, four and a half, okay, 100%. That's how God works when we give in, the, in that type of treasure. Giving in alms really grabs the attention of God. Acts chapter 10, there's a very familiar story of, of this family who comes to the knowledge of truth and understanding. And Acts chapter uh, 10 verse 2 says, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Then in verse 4 it says, And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. This is about Cornelius. That Cornelius was such a devout Christian. And he really, he was a Christian before he even knew Christ. He was a good, good man. And he just, he just really wanted to, to bless those in need. And because of that, he gave much alms. And because of that, God took note. He took notice. He noticed that someone was investing that treasure into those accounts of his. Verse 31 of that chapter said, and, and says this, And said Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. This was, this was the man of God telling him that because of who you are and what you gave, this is why I'm here. And this is why the Holy Ghost is now here for you as well. It was Cornelius' giving of alms that helped grab the attention of God and ultimately led his whole household into salvation. How many of you in here are, um, have, uh, the, you're from the absolute purest bloodline of Abraham? I didn't think so. <sighs> You've heard of Father Abraham? He had many sons. So did Cornelius. This is who our father is. Think about that. Think about this is where it kicks off for the Gentiles. It kicks off here. This is where, where those who are not part of that promise because of the faithfulness and the hunger to help people. That's who he was. And it's powerful that not only did it save Cornelius' family, it saved my family. The last offering I want to talk about in closing here, the type of treasure is called the seed offering. 
Mark 4 and 3. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. Verse 8. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some 100. Now this is, this is obviously you know I'm talking about the story of the soils, the seed in the soil here in this text. And Jesus was giving the parable about that. And the parable lists other types of ground. I'm not really talking about those other types. I just want to talk about that good ground for a moment and how it returned the blessings of 30%, 60%, and some 100%. Now we can look at this and say, well, well, pastor, the context of that, of that scripture has to do with sowing the word of God, Right? <laughs> Let me ask you this. Is there healing in the word of God? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is there joy in the word of God? Yes. Is there strength in the word of God? Yes. Is there finances in the word of God? Yes. So it all fits. This is all the same thing. It's all the same vein. So I want us to understand this. That when I give a seed offering by faith, I'm investing in the reward. Hopefully that will return 30, 60, or 100%. This treasure of the seed offering is the surest way to stop poverty in the harvest. But a problem occurs when we give this type of seed offering because it occurs when we only focus on giving a seed offering only. Because when we struggle to keep the harvest growing, it's because of how, how we need to really grab a hold of how the harvest truly works. All right, a seed goes into the ground. Now, the Bible said good ground. Now, I'm just going to tell you this. There is no such thing as automatic good ground. <laughs> At the beginning of the finding of Americas, <laughs> and they gave out land for free. They had wagons full of seed, and they were ready to plant. But they didn't just go around aimlessly throwing seed on the ground saying, oh, it's just going to grow. Right. No. They had to do what to the ground? Cultivate it. And when we read that, that parable, we assume like good ground is good ground. No. <laughs> good ground is good ground because certain things were taken out of it. And let me try to give us a greater understanding of what I'm talking about here. Good ground cultivates out that that moth type of giving, that rust type of mentality. It, it shoes away that thieves type of, type, type of uh, uh, protections that we, we have around our treasure. We care about the, the right heart of giving. We, we dig out those roots that, that will stop certain things and, and those rocks and we cultivate and sift that soil over and over again. We repent at an altar and say, God, forgive me. I'm wrong. I'm full of iniquity and sin and shame. I, I, I need to die daily. I need to, I need to be in unity with my brother. I need to be in unity with the body of Christ. I need to, I need to put on Christ. I'm, I'm just digging out things. I'm, that's what it takes to make good soil. Yes. What, else, what else makes good soil? It's my obedience to the way I give to other things. Let's go back, all the way back to Malachi 3 and 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, and there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now wherewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there not be room enough to receive it, and I will, hear, get this, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time of the field, saith the 
the Lord of hosts. Meaning, when I approach the treasure of the seed offering in, in, in a holistic manner, I'm also giving in my tithes. I'm practicing first fruits. I'm being available to give alms. That's what cultivates good ground. So the moment I have faith to put something, a seed offering down, I have planted in good ground. And therefore, good ground always, hear me, always yields forth 30, 60, or 100%. It yield. It always yields. You look at the story of that fig tree that did wasn't fruitful, and, and the the master says, "You know what? Just chop it down, take it out." And one of the servants says, "Well, let let me do some things first. Let me dig it out. Let me dung it. Meaning, let me address the soil first. Let me cultivate that soil. Let me put some nutrients in that soil. I I believe it can happen because if we address the soil, man, if we address the soil, we address our growth. The treasure of the seed offering is stored in the account of faith and reward. Luke 6 and 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that ye meet with all it shall be measured to you again. Faith and reward is what the account we put that treasure in. But it's important to note that the growth of these blessings again and the multiplication of my seed offering is only contingent upon the treasure of my tithe, my first fruit, and the alms I give because I, I want to make sure that this soil is, is cultivated and it's good. Let's all stand. Matthew, as you're standing, Matthew six twenty one. Here we go. For where your treasure is, amen? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I, I want to just end this giving series with this. I am not, I hope, I hope you hear me today. This is your pastor telling you this, that I don't want anyone to just give because pastor told you to give. Right. <laughs> All right. That's not the type of giver I want you to grow up to be. I want you to give because you see it in the word of God right. and, and you understand it for yourself. And I, I, I made the same claim. I'm going to make it today. You know, when it comes to even giving of your tithe and that 10% that maybe some of us never gave before and we're worried about doing it. I, I, I'm telling you this. If you faithfully give for three months and you're not better for it and you're not blessed for it, I will return your tithe back to you. I say that because again I believe what's in here stand upon it and I believe that God's faithful I've been teaching on giving for almost as long as I've been on ministry and I've halfway through my my ministry I start making that, that promise to people and I've never had anyone come back yet and I've had people get more and more blessed because of it And I'm telling you, God's real. (laughs) He's so real. And how he wants us to fight off that moth and that rust and those thieves. Let me tell you, I'm going to lay up my treasures. I'm going to lay up my treasures in heaven. 
This world's going to pass away. I'm telling you, this world is going to pass away. But I have a place where God abides forever. Would you bow your heads with me right now? God, thank you for today. Thank you, God, for your word. I pray, grow us, strengthen us, Lord. Give us that heart you talk about, that heart that is, has purpose. Help us. Let's look at our storages today. Let's look what we have to give today. Let's look at, at how we exert our energy today. I want to leave this house spent. I want to leave your your presence, God, where I've given you my tomorrow, where I know, God, you are in control, that you are my God, you are my Lord, and I, I submit to you, I trust you with everything. God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you as you grow us. I pray bless this, this next service, God. I pray help me in this next service. We thank you together, and in your name we pray together. Would you say his name? Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 